your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ATP. James here, joined as always by Ryan, following Everton's 2-0 victory at the Amex against Brighton and Hove Albion. It is Everton's first away Premier League victory of the season and the first away win at the Amex since Brighton returned to the Premier League. And on top of that, Everton have lost only two of their last 17 away Premier League matches, topped only by Manchester City, who have won 14 uh, Everton have won 12 since the start of the start of last year. First of all, before we get into things, we will be touching on all of the transfer news. Uh, once the window closes, there's a lot going on right now. If you've been following, obviously, a bunch of potential outgoing, some potential rumored incomings, but we're going to wait for the dust to settle on that before we speak on it. So don't get at us and say, whoa, whoa, whoa where's the transfer talk? Oh, there's too we- many rumors. It's silly season. We know it. We have been commenting on it in the discord. So there's a lot yes. of dialogue on there. Um, and there's actually a lot of knowledge in that discord, too. And it's a really healthy community, too. So, I, I mean, if you want some instant analysis, a lot of people are doing research on these guys and do know a lot of these players. I'd say it's a pretty educated bunch and it's a fun bunch. So uh, we'll yeah. try and do if there is analysis to be done, uh, we'll be doing it. Um, but, you know, it's it's in there for now. But yeah, we'll do a whole we're going to do a whole episode when the dust settles. Yep. And the link to the discord is invite.gg slash ATP. Wow. We're on the subject and uh, actually conveniently on the subject, we'll give a shout out to our two correct score predictions from the discord today. We had Kansas toffee and Chicago Joe both predict the two, no win, which was awesome. Uh, but Ryan, let's get into it now and go with instant match reactions. Well, before we do that, I think we uh, need to give a little kudos to stock for being out there by himself at a drinking establishment <laughs> all day, watching the game. <laughs> that, was, that was some very funny exchanges. <laughs> Yeah, I think at one point, I think he uh, threatened to come after me. I was like, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring all your bar buddies after me, which is about zero. So that was pretty funny. I I enjoyed the diatribe today. It was good. It was good kind of uh, banter. Yeah, my match reaction. I mean, we I I thought we played fantastic. I thought their chances. They had a couple here. There they're a good team. Um, I think they're they're missing a couple people get to the lineup a little bit that may have affected them. But for the most part, we looked incredibly dangerous and, you know, they always look good in the XG and that's great. But actually, I'd say today we passed up so many opportunities to shoot. Otherwise, we would have picked up a big number. I thought we looked dangerous and, and far and away the better team and deserve the win. Yeah, besides a few very short spells at the beginning of the game and I think at the beginning of the second half, really a, a comprehensively dominant performance by Everton, despite the fact that we were content to concede a lot of the possession, though we created a lot of good chances, looked very direct and precise in attack and some really solid all around performances across basically the entire squad. So, yeah. um, Ryan, let's get into the, the lineup. Interesting, I guess, development in terms of the bench. We had a lot of players missing. And so I think when the lineup dropped, people were a little nervous about what might happen if things didn't quite go our way and Rafa needed to make a change. But we were missing Mina with a knock, supposedly. Ben Godfrey still hasn't returned. JPG with dental abscesses supposedly missing the game. Uh, that hurts. It hurts, man. Yeah. I hope the man feels better soon. That is nasty. It uh, yeah. doesn't sound great. Tom Davies also absent. Moise Keane, of course, impending a move to Juventus, it seems like. Uh, James also missing. 
And we had two goalkeepers on the bench, including the new boy. Yeah. So maybe you were concerned about issues, but I was not concerned if a goalkeeper went down. I felt like we had adequate yeah. numbers there. Yeah. I think, I think everyone looked at that immediately said, Oh near, Oh dear Lord, Mason Holgate and uh, Michael Keane back there together. They have not had their best moments recently. Uh, and I think on the lineup initially, you're looking at Richarlison back in kind of that 10, you know, second striker position that Rafa has that you love. Uh, I just don't think it's a good fit, as you know. And I thought it played out that way today, but we'll get into that. Again, when it came out, you know, we we laid out a couple keys to the match. We thought, uh, to me, I thought it was we'd probably set up. It looked like a, a four-two-three-one in attack. Um, could be a four-four-two for the most part, but we knew we'd probably defend in a four-four-two for sure. So, to me, if if we're doing that, the key is making sure that our two center mids did not leave the space behind them that they have in the first couple matches. Um, and not allow uh, Brighton to play between the lines. Uh, set pieces, too. We wanted to limit those, of course. You know, Gross is pretty good on set pieces. And look, I mean, you know how Brighton are going to play. You know, they're going to counter press us to heck. So you have to be able to release the ball quickly and get it out of there when you do win it back. Um, Brighton's lineup was interesting. Uh, they have a lot of good young players. Um, I, I don't, I feel like they're still missing a couple pieces. Uh, the couple guys out, you know, Lamptey's obviously an important player for them, but he's been out for a bit. Uh, March, I think, is is the one that has been playing on the left side. I think they're really missing kind of a left back, and they've been playing with three in the back and stuff. But Jacob Boder, one of my favorite young players out there, is really more of a maybe center back, defensive mid. He's a s- decent player, but like I feel like they've got him on the on the wide left side. It's it's a little bit awkward. So, um, but look, they have some good players, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone uh, was a little bit enamored with Eve Basuma. Obviously, he kind of dominated today, at least in Brighton's uh, regard, but wasn't able to get super, super involved and didn't get a whole lot of help from his teammates. Also, Neil Mopai uh, getting linked with us earlier in the week. Supposedly, Benitez is an admirer. I was not uh, particularly impressed with him today, but (laughs) he led the line for them. He shot a lot as usual, right? I mean, he does. He just doesn't score a lot of them. Yeah. And, you know, he's difficult because he'll dive. He'll do all sorts of terrible, undermined stuff. I mean, he's a borderline dirty cheating player. I mean, yeah. if there is one, I mean, you know, it's all within the rules, I suppose, you know, if you're not punished for it. But I think he's the one and it makes him difficult to play against sometimes. To me, when when they announced the lineup, you know, I assume is quite good, but uh, Lalana is not exactly a, a workhorse there in the middle. And so Damn. my thought is if you can suck those guys in a little bit with and, and hit them on the counter and get our players behind their midfield running at those center halves. I mean, there's no Gibson back there that has that's real fleet of foot. You know what I mean? Like, and you look at those guys, I mean, Duffy, Duffy and Dunk, you knew those guys would make it difficult for Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the outlet, although I think Dom did okay. Uh, Webster is not slow as molasses, but none of those guys are fast. So uh, my thought is, you know, hopefully if we play the ball very quickly, we could get it through their midfield line and have our guys gray and and richarlison hopefully running directly at them um and we saw a little bit of that but you know look you knew they were going to come out and counter press you know so to me um the key for us is when they're clustering around the ball how quickly can you move it and and i think our long passing in particular from the back was critical you know if you're going to get rid of it rough in the past has normally had teams designed where you knew where the outlet was so those guys in the back it maybe looked like they're playing hoofball but they're putting it someplace in particular you know, and we were a lot better in that today. Yeah. And we were given uh, Damari Gray a little bit more of a free roll license to roam a little bit. Definitely. Andrus Townsend and Coleman partnering up on that right hand side. 
uh, locked down their left side. And, you know, we saw the the change when Alex Awobi came on later on, but some interesting decisions by Rafa, obviously starting Richarlison more centrally and then eventually switching things up with that uh, front three of Gray, Richarlison and Townsend, allowing them to play fluidly, change positions, create some different matchups, which we've talked about in the past being a, a huge asset for us being able to uh, be change the game without having to necessarily make a substitution. Yeah, and they attacked more down the left, which I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know why they would have necessarily done that. You know what I mean? Because if I'm looking at it from afar, I'm thinking I'm going to try and pin them back on the other side. Um, we naturally were coming down that side as well because you've got Jacob Motor up there. I mean, that's who you're attacking through on the left side. Now, Mac McAllister was out there too. I like him as a player. He's a very good player. He was not particularly effective today. And Basuma's kind of back there as quarterback, but I just... You know, it just it didn't work very well for them. You know, they had kept attacking down that side. And I think Townsend and Coleman in particular were just clustered up there and making it very difficult to play through. I also thought it was very interesting what Rafael Benitez did today that a lot of people did notice is Alon played on the right side. DeCorey played on the left. And I think that was intentional that we were going to attack down the left more. And, and I think that was very obvious that we did that. And if you noticed, I mean, unfortunately, there's no dribble stats or they're not carry stats, but you saw a lot of our attacks either even start out on the right, but end up on the left. And you had Gray running DeCorey running to support him, Dean right behind him and Richie swinging over on that side. And they struggled with that for sure. And that's where we were the most deadly, I think, on the counter. Um, and, you know, DeCorey's incredible athleticism and stamina to be able to get back and forth was oh. was really key. Uh, and, and allowing Alon to sit back a little bit more, read the game and kind of pounce when he needed to. It was just a really effective combination. And, and I think the chances were obviously as a result of that. I mean, I know your your favorite chart, you know, it's My where favorite. the shots really come from. No, because it's important. And most of their shots were from distance. Yeah, look, 64% of Brighton shots came from outside the box, 36 inside the box, none in the six yard box, whereas Everton 60% in the 18, 43% outside. So again, a, a positive distribution uh, skewed in favor of Everton in terms of where we were able to get shots. And, you know, you see the results of that in the score line. And we really were probably not as aggressive as we could have been with taking some of our chances, let some chances slip that would have resulted in potential goals or, or really good scoring opportunities. Um, but as you said, Ryan, 49% of our attack coming down the left today versus only 34% down the right. So there was that clear intent from Everton to get and release Damari Gray or whoever happened to be uh, overloading on that left-hand side. It's nice to see the team kind of grow into a little bit more what Rafael Benitez wants to do uh, with maybe one exception or two. Uh, but let's kind of get into it because the match, you knew we were going to be under pressure early and we were. And I don't think we dealt with it particularly well in the first probably 15 minutes or so. They actually had a couple of big chances then. Uh, maybe their biggest was about the 11th. I think was that Malpe had a, had a pretty big shot. Then that pick didn't really have to parry over, but it was that one in the 15th where they had the ball at the top of the 18, where we saw that spacing there, there was space behind Decore and Alon. Now Decore made an incredible recovery run, even to get there and kind of yep. disrupt the shot. But that was an opportunity that they didn't take, take advantage of. But after that, I mean, I felt like the shape was much better. I felt like we kind of got into our groove and I mean, you know, I, I thought we were, after that spot, I mean, you're right, maybe a little bit at the beginning of second half, but we were dangerous. There were a lot of good chances we had the rest of that half. Yeah, it was really crazy because like the, the switch completely flipped where in the first 20 minutes, Brighton had four shots. We had zero 60, 40 possession. 
And as you said, we looked a little vulnerable. They were able to get break through our, our midfield lines and create some space wide, create a couple chances, but nothing all too threatening. Pickford um, was forced into some saves later on, but after about the 20, 20th minute, 24th minute, we really kind of went on a barrage of attack where we had four or five really good chances in short order. There was in the 28th minute, uh, Alana and Decore combined to win the ball back in midfield, release it to Damari Gray, who's in a central area at the time, plays it to Townsend, who's kind of running down the, the right-hand flank and cuts inside onto his left foot. It looks like he's going to try to curl it far post, but actually ends up firing one near post, forcing the Brighton keeper into a, a pretty neat little save. And then from there, we started to ramp up the pressure. That was a good shot. He, he's he got a hammer. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he gets a little space, I mean, he's not the greatest player. He played very well today, I thought. But um, you give him space, he can he can punish you. One of the best moments I thought of the match was and we didn't do too much high pressure because we, we you know, we didn't want to get too expanded vertically, which I think is a very good thing. But occasionally we picked our spots. There was one in about the 30, 31st minute where Richarlison has great pressure on Sanchez and he gives away the ball just horribly. It, it ends up at Decore's feet. He kind of stumbles. I mean, if he plays great to his left, he just walks in and he couldn't do it. He gets a shot off, but I mean, that's a classic example of one where it's like, oh my goodness, this was, this was a huge chance. But then I would almost argue that, I mean, we had a couple really pretty kind of sequences in the next 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And the 33rd, just a couple of minutes later, Coleman and Townsend combined really nicely with a little give and go uh, and, and gets a shot away. And then Richarlison ends up with another quick shot just a couple of seconds later. Yeah. At that point, the pressure is really ramping, really ramping. And you could feel like it felt almost like a goal was inevitable. And it turns out that it was because in the 41st minute, Everton take the lead uh, on the counterattack, release Damari Gray, uh, Townsend. And again, this is just Rafa ball quick breaks yep and he gets it to alon alon plays and leads damari gray exceptionally well puts him into space and gray just running at the brighton defense nothing that they could do about it and he takes it wide i think he hesitates and thinks about cutting inside but he takes it wide and creates kind of a tough angle for himself but fires a really nice shot far post and gets a little fortunate perhaps uh with sanchez not making the save there but it is a good finish and good placement to keep it low I feel a little bit bad for Sanchez because he laid the leg down perfectly like you're supposed <laughs> to, but it almost magically skipped over it. Uh, yeah. Maybe he needs to do better with that one. I mean, I, I, I think probably it is a good shot, though. I mean, you can't really deny it, especially when it's not off of Gray's strongest foot. I mean, again, Gray is super technical. You know, I'm not surprised he hit it all right with his left foot. He's decent with it. Um, but yeah, that's Rafa ball. You know what I mean? It wasn't super lightning quick. We're going to see those in a little bit, but um, that one was effective enough. Uh, you know, there was enough time to get it. Be and again, it's exactly what we started. We talked about at the beginning, get it behind their midfield one V one on their back line and good things happen. And it did. Yeah, it was massive. You know, you felt it, but tonight finally get rewarded for it was lovely. And the thing was, we had maybe our best sequence of the match two minutes after that. Well, with the exception of the Brazilian Everton team putting those one touch passes <laughs> together in the second half. Uh, there was this lovely combination too that resulted in a Dominic Calvert Lewin shot that wasn't too far off too in the 43rd, just two minutes later. I mean, that was really, and it started in the back, you know, it was like a typical buildup play. It was like Holgate to Coleman. Coleman had the Seamus Coleman played a pretty good match today. I mean, he was sitting back. He wasn't getting as involved in the attack, but his defense was good as usual. It's kind of how he's been playing this year. He made a great long ball on the ground, cutting through the lines to Dom. And then, then we saw a good, nice back to the goal play by Dominic Calvert-Lewin. A little one touch to Anders Townsend. 
And then he kind of flicked it into a lawn and then a lawn almost got another touch in the box oh. on this. <laughs> so close. And he elects to go with a little back heel flick to Dom who fires one and, and it goes across the face of the goal and ends up going wide. But again, just that ramped up pressure and to kind of emphasize that talked about it just a few minutes ago from the first 20 minutes, we had zero shots to Brighton's four from the 20th to halftime. It was 70, 30 possession in favor of Brighton, but Everton had six Shots to Brighton, zero. Six key passes to their zero. Three corners to their zero. And one, four aerials to their one. Brighton looked like they didn't really have any answers. Yeah, they had the ball a lot, but we were that's because I think we were just content to let them have it. And uh, we also were picking off passes uh, seemingly at will. Yeah, we're, there was fight too, you know. Shall I say spirit? Yes, uh, spirit. <laughs> no, the I mean, yeah, spirit. like they had eight tackles to our three because they were under siege the whole time, really. Uh, I mean... You know, yeah, I mean, three dribbles to their none, four aerials to their one. I mean, it was great to see it really happen, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was eight to two in, in interceptions. You know what I mean? That's, uh, you know, that's good to see. You know, uh, Andrews Townsend and Alon were picking the ball off and sending it back the other way. And, you know, you kind of knew at halftime that Bright would have to do something a little bit different. They made a change. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Mac McAllister, I mean, you're basically taking off an attacking player putting on Joel Veltman. I, I don't know if they thought the shape would be any better at that point, but if anything, I felt like it was worse. Um, yeah. Although, I mean, again, they got a little bit of a jump immediately and, and we, we were kind of on the siege right away. Uh, first couple of minutes were a little bit shaky. There's that hysterical interchange between Richarlison and Basuma in the 48 though. That was one of my favorite moments of the match. I mean, what, what the, he hit his head into his hand. Yeah, Basuma has his arm out. Richarlison, I think, being a little bit cheeky, uh, kind of walks. Oh, you know, don't you his think? Hand. Yeah, okay, I know. I know exactly what he was intending. <laughs> walks into the hand, tries to, you know, he gets a little frustrated. They had kind of had some collisions in the first half, a couple of fouls, and Basuma had his, like, was throwing up three fingers to the ref, basically, like, this is the third time he's fouled me. Um, and then Basuma kind of tries to goad uh, Richie into some potential headbutting action they go like forehead to forehead and richarlison seems relatively cool and composed throughout uh manages to, to keep his composure there but at that a, point a little bit of game yes exactly it would change shortly thereafter but at that <laughs> moment he did show a, a good degree of composure yeah and look and they they were awarded a foul at one point in, in maybe their most dangerous area i think pickford's best save probably was the one in the 51st. He had one later where it was, you know, a difficult shot that he kind of gave up a little bit of a rebound. Um, I thought Pickford played pretty well. I mean, all things considered, he, he was relatively confident back there. He didn't have to deal with too many corners. That was helpful. He had that great long ball that ended up to Richarlison right off the bat. I mean, his his long passes were good. I think he was six for 20 on long balls. That's pretty good in a keeper if you're, you know, if you're hoofing it up there a lot. But yeah, and I don't, it didn't look like it got deflected or anything, but it was, a low shot that got up over the over kind of through the wall. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if it was a poor setup or not. It played right into him, but it was still tricky. You know what I mean? That ball comes in with a lot of spin, um, but he handled it. Okay. And I mean, really, I, I would say that was maybe their best chance. And, and then we kind of grew back into it. And um, then came the penalty off a one, I mean, off a wonderful through ball by Elon. And this is something we talked about endlessly last year going into the year. And then in our team assessment at the end of the year, 
that look, we we didn't get out of Alon and Decore for that matter what we thought we were getting. This looked like an Alon type play where he can create and put pressure on defenses from deeper positions. Did it not? It was exceptional. And the ball again, he takes like three Brighton players out. Seamus Coleman getting forward one of the few times he got forward all match, but yeah. well timed and draws the contact in his back from Veltman, the sub making an instant impact for in Everton's uh, <laughs> in Everton's favor. And, you know, it, it was a coming together. He definitely doesn't have position. He's definitely not playing the ball. And therefore I think it was a, a clear penalty. And then we had maybe the most uh, puzzling moment of the entire match, the Morales esque penalty debate between Richarlison and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and then other players get involved it's it's a really weird one, Ryan, because and the announcers pointed this out. This is something that should be well established prior to the game. You should know who's taking the penalties. Richarlison picks it up and just is holding the ball while the referees, you know, going around talking to all the different players and reviewing it. And it was just a very strange sequence of events. He seemed to think he was just going to be given it, and then when he didn't, uh, Andrus Townsend ends up kind of like poking the ball out from his arm. He ends up having a chat with Alon. It was it was very strange. I mean, Coleman and, and Townsend and kind of Alon together kind of got Richie out of there. But I got I take a little bit umbrage with the announcers. I mean, they're making that assumption. Yes, if I was the manager, I would make it very clear who my penalty takers were. You know, I, I would make that clear. That doesn't always happen. There are plenty of coaches out there, including none other than Pet Guardiola, too, that often says, let them figure it out. You know, and, and look, the bottom line is the name of this game is you've got to solve problems on the field anyway. The manager can't be with you all the time. But but that being said, yeah, I mean, if I'm Rafa Benitez, I lay that out. And so maybe Rafa will have something to say about it. I, I didn't see anything after the match that he said to indicate that there was a problem or not. Um, we know Richarlison wants to score. He has a scorer's mentality. And I guess that that is understandable. But you know, he wasn't having a good match at all at that point. I thought he was acting pretty childish. Um, I was irritated about it myself. I'm like, come on, man. Like if it's known, if it's known already and look, guess what? We've already had a penalty so far and you didn't right. get to take it. Now, don't get me wrong. I would have probably picked for Charleston to take my penalties instead of Dominic Calvert. I, I want to say I probably would have, but that's not what we're doing this year. And he's going to have to deal with it. So otherwise he can go off to PSG for 80 million. <laughs> oh, I don't say, sorry. That, I don't know. Don't I'm not, I don't mean that. that. I don't know. I know, no, but, but, just, uh, to, but to it raise should that be point, resolved though. Shouldn't it not? Uh, absolutely. And I think that, Kind I mean, of were you not thinking about it though? As that's yes, right. Were you not thinking that? It was it was just really kind of uncharacteristic of him to be that visibly uh confrontational with his own teammates. Eh, didn't he do the exact same thing last year? He wants to take the penalties. I get it. <laughs> and it's unfortunate with like I wish you know, all could see the video feed of Thomas's face just now. He's like, okay, he wants to hear right. Oh, yes, yes. He he can be a little bit petulant from time this to time. This is a little childish. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. This this is a little bit another level, I thought, and I don't know why. And it just creates that sort of unneeded drama and talking points with yeah. the potential transfer to PSG, as has been rumored. I don't really want to talk about it right now because it makes me a little sad to even consider it, but it was just kind of feeding to the flame. Like, Oh, he wants to create drama. He he wants to force a move. I don't, I'm not going to go that far and say that's the case, but it was just, it was just strange and completely unnecessary. If you ask me, I think if you're going to have that sort of conversation, you don't need to have it. So like be, be so visibly confrontational and he looked very upset, but fortunately, and the announcers made a good point, even though they weren't 
totally spot on. It does put a lot more pressure on Dominic Calvert-Lewin than stepping up to take it because <laughs> yeah. if he misses, he, it just doesn't look good all around. Fortunately, he slots at home. Again, the keeper guessed correctly, and he just powers it Didn't by matter. Him, so well finished. Yeah, absolutely. And the way it's kind of has that top spin on it, I mean, it would have been a really difficult save even if they, I mean, even while guessing right. Um, kudos to the away fans, by the way. First of all, yeah. I don't know if they realized, but we could hear you guys on TV the whole time, and it was awesome. But in particular, after that, immediately cheering and singing Richarlison's song. I mean, that's the type of stuff that, you know, you may not realize that it's hard for any one of us to kind of get into the psyche of the professional footballer like that, you know, especially one at such a high profile. But I mean, that has to make a difference. You know what I mean? Like that's I don't know. Um, ironically enough, Richarlison got a yellow like three minutes later. Yeah, I did. I couldn't figure out what he did. Did I miss it? Some people said he. Did it kind of after the play? I mean, am I, what happened there? Did you see it? I don't know what it was. I didn't really catch it, to be honest. It was, it was uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the sand. first time John Moss was kind of oh, behind, yeah. the, behind the game. I know you do behind the game. So, yeah, but he picks up a yellow and I, I want to say it was maybe another coming together and some, something was said perhaps, but <clears throat> it was unclear. And then we get into kind of like a, a well, Go we ahead. had the sub first, but I, I want to yes. talk about that, yes. too, because it looked like, I mean, he was talking to Alex Awobi, you know, yep. um, and it, it was odd because this was before Dominic Calvert-Lewin went down. I kind of wondered what he was going to do, because some of us were like, take Richarlison off. I was for sure. You know, yeah, I just thought it was maybe his head wasn't in the game. Uh, and look, the guy needs some rest. I mean, yeah. in all honesty, um, it didn't turn out to be the case. Dominic Calvert-Lewin went down. I mean, it's. I'm no sports scientist. It didn't look like anything horrible necessarily, but you never know with muscular stuff. Anyway, he went down and uh, Wobi came on in the 70th and immediately went into kind of that second striker 10 role that Richarlison was playing and Richarlison went up to center forward. And to my way of viewing, and yeah, everyone knows that or thinks that I love a Wobi or something, but I, I thought it was noticeably different. Now, again, I mean, Alex has a chance to run against tired legs as well, but I mean, the directness him picking up the ball from deep, just moving it vertically immediately out to the wings. I mean, I thought at that point we took it up a notch and Brighton had absolutely no answer for it. Yeah, none whatsoever. I mean, you could tell Richarlison, and I think the critique that you had in the discord as we were watching the match and I think have had of him in that role is that he's just not doesn't release it quickly enough. You bring on a guy like a Wobie who's happy to spray it around or if he's given space and guys back off, run it, guys. It, it did just make a huge difference difference uh and in the 75th minute uh he gets it wide runs this is where i mean brighton's centered halves looked petrified of that They're combination backing up backing up backing up backing up, up. Back, yep. yep reeling and uh he lays it off to richie and it's a bad shot yeah it is and he just kind of muffs it now again he could be tired at this point too because he moved yeah. up to center forward and he was putting in the work you know there's no question about it um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the difference maker too. You know, Gray was a little exhausted at this point too. Again, I think we, we recognize that Damari Gray was fantastic today, but he's probably only good for about 70 minutes yeah. when he's putting in the defensive work rate. And that's okay. You know, we'll take that. You know what I mean? I would love to see what he was, he'd be like running at people with tired legs. It'd be fantastic. Um, he, you know, I will say this a couple of times. He was a little bit meandering with the ball, uh, but he didn't get rid of it. You know, he didn't lose it. So I guess yeah. that's a good thing. Um, but when he's running direct, I mean, he really oh. is valuable. Uh, and his, his, his skill is fantastic as well, too. His vision's not perfect, but I'll take everything else. But let me tell you what, in the 77th, again, it was we just looked so dangerous at this point. DeCorey got stuffed. I mean, he really should have done probably better with that one. But the whole sequence was fantastic. I mean, 
at Halifax, Dave had that comment too. That passage of passing that set up Gray's chance. That's the other one. This is the one where we flat out looked like, I mean, you know, early nineties, Brazil, you know what I yeah. mean? It was absolutely awesome. Uh, actually, I remember seeing them play Costa Rica and Korea in the world cup. Oh my God. I mean, you see like just Ronaldo running at people and these poor defenders are just like, I don't know what to do, here. <laughs> but it was awesome. You know, you saw the combination of one, one touch passing that, that really makes it so just devastating, but it's a Wobi. Alon came over to help gray one touch style. You know what I mean? And then, and then subbing in, you know, look, gray was dead. We subbed in Henri Gomes uh, in the 82nd about, I mean, we had 57% possession until the end of the game. I mean, Brighton just, they, they were done and they knew they were done. I mean, in the yeah. last 10 minutes, I felt like it was like Gomez, Awobi and Dean were just like messing around. I mean, Awobi's Meg on the, on the oh, side. Oh that was ridiculous. Why would you even attempt that? I mean, and this then at the like... end, yeah, and then at the end, like Alon wins the tackle, by the way, that tackle in the 94th was so brutal. Oh, he was just so like, good. just, I'm going to win this now. Get off me. Sends it to Andre and he throws it to Awobi. Awobi just decides, I'm going to just dance around with the ball for the last 10 minutes. Now he never took a shot, which is funny. It's like, shoot the ball like you could score here but he was like nah, nah, i'll just mess around with it then he kind of looked up the clock he's like oh game's pretty much over here and then he just dribbled yeah. out the clock it was like it was like a basketball game it was awesome it was yeah this is like a wobie's bread and butter right the like technical oh, yeah, perfect in tight space dribbling yep. being able to just kind of mess around street soccer street soccer street very football much style yeah. jj coach style you know yeah 100 percent um and, and we like you said in so many games in the past everton have really made them made things difficult for themselves to close out games today. It looked very comfortable, very <laughs> composed. And the Andre sub really helped a lot with possession. Andre Gomez, two cameo appearances in the last couple games and has looked really positive in both. Yeah. I mean, he's not worth the bang for your buck in that role necessarily, sure, sure. but it's nice to see him contributing in that way. Um, you know, it's funny. I think the only thing that will be really didn't do as well, maybe as our, our other setup, I thought Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin did a little bit better you know, stopping the ball into Basuma and, and allowing Basuma to kind of get farther behind them because it's one thing to play those two center center mids deeper, but now you're giving up that space. So, you know, you've given now Basuma a lot of room to operate, much in the same way. Remember Calvin Phillips a couple matches ago against Leeds where he just was playing quarterback the whole time. You know, that's that's the problem. That's the only issue with that. Yes, you get rid of that space in between the lines and behind the back line and the midfield line but you give a guy who's a really good player who can cut through lines. If you leave too much horizontal space in Basuma, um, will be, you know, he's not quite as comfortable defending maybe in that role. I thought moving Andre there and moving a left might help that. Of course, I'm totally wrong because Andre is not very good positionally, um, what? but I know, I know, but, but Andre did look good. I mean, I, you know, even ran into the box once and shot the ball and, and did yeah. look completely incompetent in the final third, uh, which is always good to see. And it's nice to see him contribute. And let's be honest, his hair, I mean, oh, I've been saying it like it's unbelievable. He needed a haircut desperately. He got one and he's a totally different player. Like that's that's the only, you know, it's clearly correlation there. doesn't necessarily for equal two. causation, but pick yeah, for two. Exactly. who is our barber? Like, I want to talk to yeah. that guy or girl like they did a great job. Um, Magic scissors. Yes. So let's kind of stay, take a step back and summarize here. I, I think when we go back and look at the keys to the game, I mean, I thought we came out on top on on most of them. Um I, I spe especially in the defensive end, like, you know, I figured that I was concerned that we would lose the ball too often to them. And look, we were dispossessed 14 times. I mean, they were dispossessed 11, but look, let's be honest. I mean, the only problem in that department was for Charleston. I mean, he was dispossessed six times out of our 14. No one else on Everton had more than two. And again, 
his position does lend itself a little bit to that. Um, yeah. Although I, I don't think that was the issue as much today. And, and I thought, you know, bad touches under pressure for them. No one else on, no one else on the team had more than two Richarlison had five. So I will say this, I mean, 11 times in essence with the bad touch or being dispossessed is not good. I don't care what defense anyone is playing you. And I think that's, again, we're asking Richie to do some stuff that I just don't, I don't think is second nature to him that eventually maybe he'll learn to do. But I, I, one thing I'm a little irritated about is people out there saying, well, no, no, it's just as simple as putting him closer to goal. So he'll score more. No, this is not your standard four, four, two. That player is going to have to come back to the ball at times as well to spur the counter. This isn't like a possession-based situation where he's right. going to roam around the center forward that we've got the ball inside their own half the whole time. That's not how it's playing. Uh, he's got to receive the ball a little bit deeper than he's used to. And he's got to either quickly on the half turn or play it back to someone very quickly. He, the quicker he can get the ball up the pitch to our wingers with speed that can attack people directly. And then he can run because he's great. You know, his, right. he's got sprint speed and get into the box and receive it. That's fine. But what starts it is him moving the ball quicker. No one's yeah. concerned that him getting in the box and being effective. We know that, but you see it. I mean, look, was he involved in any of our big direct attacks? Not many of them, not the counter no. ones. No. And so that, so it's kind of like, I would just rather have him on the outside and like where gray is on either side, really to be that danger guy, because look, the second gray gets the ball. What does the slower center center have to back off, back off every time they're going to do the same thing with Charleston too. Cause if they don't, he may not be quite as quick as gray, but if he beats him, he's strong enough to fend him off. Right. And we know he's deadly. So, I mean, to me, that, that's the issue, you know, moving the ball yeah. quickly. And Richie's not the best in terms of vision. You know, he's not going to be checking his shoulder. He's not really part of that function is still acting somewhat functionally as, as a, as a midfielder. And, and right, I don't know if he right. quite has that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, he's receiving the ball a lot with his back to goal and he wants to just immediately try to turn and like take guys on, but he's right. not afforded. He's always got someone on his back. And so yep. he, and, and they'll close down and, and they will, Regardless of his position on the pitch, he's always going to be uh, a, a tactical problem and something that managers are going to point out, like get all over this guy. Sure. But he just he was just a little too slow with it multiple times, especially in the first half. But as the game wore on and his legs got more tired, he did it better. Was, he, he did it better when he was single center forward, though, you know, because yes. then you're that's that is what your job is. You know, it's back to the goal. One touch back to your guy. You know what I mean? And then you're going down the middle, make a run. Right. But when you're, when you're the guy playing behind that guy, who's receiving the second ball and then playing it quickly, it's just not his game. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. just not, or playing it in the back, just quickly and turning one touch, getting an outside wide. It's not his thing. Um, let's I, talk that, long balls though. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, let's do that. And then we'll talk about defensively as well, too. Cause I thought we were, our structure was good and it produced some good things. Long balls. I, I thought this was debatably the difference in the game. Cause my concern was, much like the first two games where we faced pressure, we were just going to hoof it the heck out of there. We talked about Pickford six for 20, which I thought was okay. But the rest of the team, I mean, it's a totally different story than the last match against Leeds, was it not? Yeah, certainly some more calculated risk being taken. And I think a little bit more purpose to the long balls. I mean, it's one yes. thing just straight up hoof ball, but another entirely when you have a tactical approach to support the ability to play long balls. And I think we had that in place today. You look at Mason yes. Holgate, who we've harped on quite a bit. One for five, but he didn't take 12 like he has in prior. And matches. some of those were clearances. I mean, there was no right. not under pressure forced error, you know, like tennis style forced error. So before you get into the numbers, do you think that was tactical? I mean, do you think Rafa knew how to set us up so we knew where to kind of send the outlet or the clearance? 
Yeah, I think that that I think you have to give credit to Rafa for a guy yeah. who's as, as detail oriented as he is. You could tell the players were looking for certain areas on the pitch to play the ball to and that the players knew the forward players knew that that's where they should be targeting, making runs in behind in, you know, Holgate one for five. The one he had was a sensational long ball across the pitch. Yes, I believe it was to Gray, um, perhaps for Charleston, but I can't remember. But a really well struck one. Coleman, again, not really his game, the long ball, but two for three. Michael Keane, no, that actually probably is more his game than anyone else. And on the back line, besides maybe Luca Dean, he was three for three. Keane was really good on the ball today when he had a yeah. chance to be on it. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, people are like, hoof it out of there a couple of times, but his composure helped us sometimes. Yeah, too. And then, yeah, I mean, the rest of the team looked good, too. Yeah, Luca Dean, one for two. Allen, one for two. Townsend, Richie, Gomez, Ducore, four for four. Yeah, they were each one for one. Yeah. So like selective in the long ball and not just aimless. And that's 12 for 19 besides Pickford, which is a really good return when you're talking about generally very low percentage passes. I mean, what were we last? I mean, by himself, Holgate was like four for 11. I yeah. think Keen was seven for 17. I mean, 12 for 19 against a team that pressures like this. Outstanding. Outstanding. In fact, honestly, if if Rich if Richarlison played a little bit better, I mean, God, we would have killed these guys. And I mean, you know, if we were a little bit more efficient in the first half, finishing our chances, it would have been absolute murder. But I mean, you see glimpses now of like, wow, this can be pretty de- devastating against a team that wants to play like that too. That's key. I mean, this is not right. I mean, <laughs> Brighton is not setting up like Burnley. You know, they're gonna come at right. you and try and try and you know play and put pressure on you too. But I thought we handled it. Um, pretty darn well uh you know and in the back too i mean we let them play into us after a while i mean i think we were 15 versus their nine in interceptions total i mean keen had four interceptions alone alon had five townsend had four i mean they kept trying to play into us in certain regards and we just were like thank you we'll take that we'll send it out we'll attack you on the counter and see how you deal with it not really well uh one thing that we did not feature too much today and i don't think it was necessary either which shows you kind of the tactical flexibility is not too many crosses today yeah 14 crosses but only two successful so it really wasn't a focal point i think we we're looking to get in behind quite a bit um perhaps yeah, I mean, <laughs> look people have kind of after the first game when we had what like 17 or 18 which was middle of the pack for the goals. premier league by the way i mean it wasn't right. like some map i mean granted we're look we're not going to have as many you know just in pure volume because we don't have the ball that much but sure yeah i mean come on you know that's but neither of our goals came from crosses we really didn't create a ton of good chances from crosses what we were successful at was being very direct and creating chances that way um and playing to feet and not just relying on on lobbing crosses in and even some of the corners that we took were not uh particularly good yeah. but uh but they didn't kill us on set pieces either we only gave up yeah. you know a handful of them which was nice because our defense still on set pieces i just scary our blockers got to do a better job i mean the bottom line is if you're standing still as a center half something i know well and someone's coming running at you like unless you're just god's gift of vertical leaping which i was not uh <laughs> despite having size it's just hard to get over those guys you know what I mean? And adjust and get your feet under you in time to really challenge the ball. So you've got to have blockers and runners that can kind of stop them or, or ask them to alter their kind of direction. And they always seem like they had one tall guy kind of waiting in the back and kind of delaying their run and then going through not un, like unimpeded, but allowing them to get enough momentum to get up in the air. And that's really 
really tough to stop, I think. But yeah, I mean, two for four in crosses. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. Even with Townsend in the game, which you assume that would we'd be firing crosses more so than we would normally. Um, yeah, it, it's not always going to be a big factor for us. And that's OK. You know, they they're playing some big guys in the middle. And I, I yeah. think the plan to kind of get through their lines and run at them from wider spaces, I think, was the right one. And you saw it today. And, and you know, so uh, we've seen a couple different XG stats. I think in, info goals today was 0.75 versus 1.5. We, we were ahead again. That includes a penalty, which is mostly half that. But I, again, if we don't pass up those shots, I think in the first half alone, I think the XG is really high too, because some of them are really high. Um, but really what it comes down to is XG or not, you know, I thought we were the better team. I thought we had the more dangerous of the chances, certainly more chances, but Again, there's still that question of possession. I mean, we are conceding an awful lot of possession, except for when it mattered today. I guess that's a good point, right? 83rd minute yeah. on, we had it. Exactly. Does it matter, Hamas? Does it bother you that we're conceding possession? Because one thing, we did concede possession last year, but it's a totally different thing, is it not? It's dramatically different. And I think uh, Tim pointed this out really well at Yo, This Is Wax said, a great sign that we give up that possession and we don't even really notice in the end plenty of offensive chances regardless and i think that's spot on like when we last year we'd have 60 percent, 70 percent possession but not create any chances and this year even though we don't have the ball a lot we're also not conceding a ton of opportunities to the opposition and then we break with so much purpose and intent that we're creating pl plenty on the offensive end even though we don't always have the ball at our feet so it feels you know normally if you're off the ball 70% of the time, 60% of the time, it feels kind of boring to watch and frustrating because you're just chasing the game. It feels like, but we've, even though we don't have the ball, we're seemingly leading from the front foot, which is really encouraging. And I think we have what, like 17 shots on target through three games in the Premier league, something along those lines, which just shows that possession isn't always the name of the game. No, I, I think, look, you've got to dominate some aspect of the game to win. Um, but as we've said in the past, either you dominate the ball, that's one way to do it or dominate the space. And the bottom line is when they get to a certain element on the pitch, you know, teams are not doing well. We are dominating that space. And it's a game of attrition a little bit. You know, when we win the ball and find the space and get our guys into that space, we look very, very dangerous and we're tough to deal with. And look, you know, you, you can argue you've got the ball. You can kind of control, move the ball around, you know, work them to the extent where there'll be kind of openings and you play through it. Well, you know, the idea is then, you know, have your people up high around the ball and win the ball back immediately. And that's when you can really kill teams. Well, it's kind of reverse, but it's not really anything different to say, look, we're going to wait until you keep trying to do that. We'll wait for you. We'll dominate the space. We know where we, when we've got you, when we got you and the second we're about to get you and know we're going to win the ball back. Our guys take off into other space and we dominate that space. And now we've got odds against you. So you could say, well, it's a counterattack. It's not as effective, but it can be. I mean, look, just because you're not close to the goal doesn't mean you don't have numbers. And if you've got pace and or move the ball fast, those numbers are going to be numbers up the field as well, too. It doesn't take that long to get up the field in the Premier League. And that's what I think you're seeing. And, and there's a lot of purpose to it. You know what I mean? It's intent. Yeah. And, and at times it is entertaining. It's not quite as boring as maybe some people might want to think. That being said, we haven't really played a team necessarily, you know, one of the top teams yet. So maybe we'll change our tune. But uh, I, I thought it was very well coordinated today for our third, fourth game total, but third Premier League match. Uh, I thought with a couple exceptions, we looked sharp collectively. And uh, yeah, you didn't really notice. Like at the end, 
I never said to myself, oh, geez, how much possession did we concede? Right. And I find myself consistently surprised with how much we are conceding because watching the game live, it just doesn't feel, you don't feel that same like hopelessness. And and furthermore, when we do allow Brighton to have the possession, it's very controlled. Like we're, it feels yeah. like we're letting them do exactly what we want to let them do. Yeah. And they're not really dictating anything despite the possession. So that's, yeah, huge. we're dominating space, setting traps for them. I mean, and they played into it a lot today, especially when they got yeah. behind, they're forced to. They didn't have really a choice, you know, yeah. um, I thought there were a lot of good player performances today. Yep. I mean, we talked about looking at the at the lineups up front, some of our concerns, but Holgate and Keen were not a concern today really at all. No, it was nice to see them kind of gel a little bit and settle into what still I think is probably our, our two worst center halves. Sure. Uh, but again, credit where it's due. Mason Holgate was really solid today. Won five aerials, had a tackle, four interceptions. And wasn't careless with the ball. He took care of it a lot better. And Michael Keane avoided the individual errors that cost us goals that have kind of been plaguing his otherwise, I think, really not that terrible performances. Yeah, he he was sneaky good today, you know. Um, and it's funny when you're playing that way, you know, you're watching it on TV. I think it would have been more apparent live. But I mean, I, he barely put a step back. I mean, or late in the match, he kind of jumped out of line a little bit and got a little too aggressive on one play and almost got played behind, but took care of the ball. I mean, 92.3% passing. I think that was the second highest pass percentage on the whole team. Three for three in long balls, four tackles and five interceptions. Five interceptions led the team. We already said that. Holgate, too, won five aerials. I mean, that, that's for him, that's pretty impressive. And four interceptions. Again, I, I think he was just more risk averse. You know, and he was containing yeah. players. He didn't feel the need to go after them so aggressively. And, and one thing that helps, too, is having a guy like Decore. Well, first of all, having a guy like Alon, who maybe wasn't as expansive positionally today as he had been, because he doesn't need to be. He can still damage players and teams from, from a little farther back. But I think beyond that, I think having Decore, knowing he can fly back, and, and all you need to do is kind of slow them down a little bit, he'll recover. And some of the other guys recover because they're committed to playing defense makes Makes a big difference, I, I, I thought. Um, Casey Griffin had a good comment, at C underscore Griff 314. I uh, made a couple comments. What stood out was how good nearly every player with. I can't argue that. And, and his first, his second line is, may not be man of the match, but shout out to Holgate for taking charge at the back. I mean, I totally agree. I think he got that wrong. And I think at Luke J. Wilcox, he said kind of the same thing. You know, he, he brought up a lawn, but honorable mention to Keen for not having a mistake, which leads to the goal. And I, cause I think everyone was concerned about that going forward. Um, now, again, both Casey Griffin said man of the match Alon. Luke Wilcox said Alon. Um, it would be hard to ignore the numbers that uh, the wee man put in today uh, a little bit maligned in, in some of the first performances this year, but he was awesome today. Well, I mean, we talked about, him maybe not quite being up to speed just yet in, in prior matches, but I think today we saw the absolute best of Alon, what he truly can offer. And Statman Dave lays it all out for us in a tweet. Allen's game by numbers versus Brighton, 94% pass accuracy, 49 touches, nine attempted tackles, seven recoveries, six passes into the final third. I think that's a hugely important one. Yes. Five tackles, created three chances, two clearances, and gets the assist on top of it all. Yeah, I mean, the three chances created, you know, he had three key passes, which led the team. You know how many key passes he had all of last year in 24 matches? 17. So yeah, and he's got five and three this year. 
And at Napoli, it was the same thing. It was 34 one year, 34 one year, 29. And that's from playing a deeper role. You know what I mean? He would often play as the deepest mid, you know, in front of like Ruiz and some other guys. So, uh, I mean, sorry, ball was a little different when he was there. But the point is, that's more what we thought we were getting from Milan. You know, 17 and 24 matches is not good enough. But I mean, we see it now. And the way we're playing, he seems to have adapted, at least with the ball, better. You know, defensive shape wise, he's going to have to be a little more conservative and him and Decor are going to figure out some chemistry. They're going to have to. Um, I thought Alon was awesome. Yeah, I forgot he got the assist basically for great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was kind of a I mean, that's why assist is such a dumb stat. I mean, I know, what is, but he what, also plays the ball into Coleman for winning the, the penalty as well. True that. Um, but yeah, so uh, ultimately. Yeah, it's funny. He doesn't get an assist for that. I thought you did. But anyway, um, Decore, uh, his partner in crime, I mean. You know, he had he led the team in 52 touches, took care of the ball again, 80, 86.4% passing. He had two shots, one shot on target. Okay, probably should have scored one today. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, um, he had a key pass, a tackle, a clearance. He was never dispossessed today, even though we had 52 touches and was under pressure a lot. He had two bad touches, but that's it. I mean, God, if we had carry stats and just distance run, I mean, I, I swear to God. <sighs> He made some lung busting runs in the second half. I don't know how he, I mean, you could tell he was a little tired because his feet weren't quite there at times. Yeah. How does he do? I mean, it's unbelievable, man. I don't know how many times we've asked that question on this show, but it never ceases to amaze because he gets, I think his second shot of the match uh, around the top of the 18. And then like 10 seconds later, he's already sprinting back to it's incredible prevent Brighton from being able to counter the ground. He covers is such a tremendous asset for us. And even though he may at times he and Alon both get a little too expansive going forward, you know, that he has the, he, he's never going to like dog it back. He's always going to hustle back to get in position and support the de- defense. Just so important to the way we want to play. And it's great to see both of them able to get involved selectively in the offensive third. Yeah. So let's talk about kind of our wide play. I mean, it wasn't really wide yeah. play necessarily today. And we we're using that liberally. Um, obviously Andre Gray had a Andre Gray. I did it again, Hummus. I People did it have been doing it's, that. It's Damari Gray for heaven's sakes, you know, Jeez, Dorian Gray, <laughs> so, who, uh, <laughs> yeah, I am sorry. Uh, but anyway, he had three shots, one on target, obviously with the goal, two key passes. I mean, he didn't, he didn't really go by anyone today. You know, I think he had like five dribbles and wasn't successful on any of them, but still the threat is there. Um, no crosses. I, I thought he held on to the ball a little bit too much sometimes, um, but he didn't give it away. Like I said earlier, I mean, he was, he eventually was gassed by about the 70th again, yeah. um, but man, he put in a shift and you could see, I mean, what a signing he's turned out to be. Yeah. Unbelievable return. I mean, there were obviously a lot of question marks coming in, but he has answered a lot of those and he just brings that electric pace and that technical ability that I think we've been missing in the wide areas for some time. And he deserves all of the credit the work rate. And I think the narrative starting to emerge that this is turning out to be a very, very good bit of business for Everton. I think it's still early to name him signing of the season. Like some <laughs> may have already dubbed him, yep. but it certainly is already paying off for Everton. The the risk that we took, even if we bring in some guys and he's, you know, sent to kind of the bench or whatnot. I mean, he's, he looks like he's got stuff that can really help us. Um, as long as his attitude is there, his defensive commitment is there, and he's been mostly in a free role. So Rafa doesn't have him overburdened from a defensive standpoint. Uh, Luca Dean deserves a lot of credit, though. I mean, he's the one who's supporting him as well when he's in those kind of free roles. And Dean's going back and forth pretty well, I think, um, even if he's not quite as involved in the attack as he has been. 
Um, what about Andros Townsend? I feel like he had a pretty darn good today, good, bleh, good game today, but especially in defense, uh, him and Coleman were just a wall over there. Yeah. Unbelievable from Townsend again, not really the guy that I think we, we want starting week in week out on the right, but today four for six in tackles an interception drew four fouls, gets the shot on target and gets a key pass. He just doesn't stop like for a guy who's not that quick and, uh, is very balanced with both feet. He just seems to always uh, outperform expectations. Like the guy just is incessantly running and really good on the defensive side of the ball. Him and Coleman are turning out to be a, a really solid defensive partnership for the time being. I mean, I still hope we get someone else in, but looks an, like another really good bargain for what we got out of him for the first couple games. He's smart. You know, I mean, yes. he really picks the right time to kind of sneak over and overload. You know, um, we obviously saw his game winner in the cup match midweek, midweek, but I saw a couple times when he snuck in and really kind of combined with people, at least provided a threat, you know, and, and that's hard. If you're a defender and someone's coming in all the way from the other side in an overload and you're kind of facing the ball and they're somewhat behind you, you may not see him. And we know he can crack a one time shot. He can really shoot the ball. Um, yeah, he had a great match. I thought a uh, very good match. Certainly the commitment was there on defense um, and good leadership know, to yes. talk to Richard Arlison as well to try to like calm him down a little bit. Um, and I think that's something that also he brings to the table. He does. I mean, you know, you see him in his videos, you know, shaking hands with everyone, really being vocal. And and he just seems like a he's like a mature guy. You know, he has a yeah. really interesting story where he talks about like, you know, gambling addictions and some other kind of very interesting things. And he's very well spoken and mature about those things, too. And, and you know, look, we've said, you know, we're not against signing older players as long as they aren't expensive. I still think Gray and Townsend, I think at the end of the, the end of the window we're going to look and say maybe we've got a few too many kind of in wide spaces um but look you can have injuries you know some of these guys can't play forever let's hope we make some deep cup run, cup runs but i mean townsend's played well enough to this point based on expectations um i only really saw one big concern today and i'm not really sure what to make of it we already pounded on richarlison for his six dispossessions of five bad touches he had some good touches you know what i mean i can't say i mean he had two shots he had he had a key pass he was fouled twice he put in the shift defensively like he normally does, you know, two clearances, two block shots. He helped them set pieces. His pass rate was the worst on the team besides Pickford, though. I just I watched this the first half in particular when he was receiving the ball a little deeper uh, and you just saw it. I, I don't I don't get it. I, I know at one point he kind of flipped him over to the left and dropped gray in the middle. And I don't know if that was just off a set piece. I what do we kind of, how, where do we go from here with Richarlison? We still keep kind of pushing him into that role or, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? I really think that depending on what business we get done, he may end up out on the right. It's hard to say, but I, I think we can say after these first, this last couple match experiment, and even I guess last three matches, he needs to either Robin needs to coach him up and, and change how he's performing in that 10 role, second striker role, or we just need to get him in a, a better area where he can be more dangerous. I think you're right in that with gray with Townsend there, it becomes complicated because I think you have to push guys out of position potentially to make Richarlison fit, but that's something we've kind of dealt with the uh, excessive number of left wingers we've had at our disposal for the last few years. There's always going to be guys left out. There's no question. He's still one of our most talented players and a huge asset. Um, I mean, 
for all we know, he could be gone in a couple of days, but it seems like Rafa Benitez has gone on record saying we have no intention to sell him. Hopefully he scores a lot of goals for us. I still think, as we talked about last episode, his best position is wide left. I think that's where I'd like to see him, but it there's, I think, a lot of question marks and and he hasn't really been totally at his best for the last couple of matches. I think it's kind of interesting that Gray playing left today had a finish with his left mm. uh, when he's somewhat right footed. Uh, I, I can't help but think if if this is how it ends and these are the only guys we have, I I think Gray on the right might probably be a little better than Richarlison on the right. I'd rather have Richie on the left personally. Um, I just feel like Gray can can if it makes him a little more one dimensional where he's just firing crosses into the six, I think that's okay. But look, you know what? Honestly, if Dominic Calvert-Lewin goes down for Charleston starting center forward, no question to me. Uh, I just think, I think a better suited for that role. uh, That kind of second striker role, depending on setups Um, against a team that maybe sits back like a Burnley or something where he might have a little more time, the ball, maybe Richie's okay. You know what I mean? I, I think the one thing that is worth saying, I mean, these are all teams that tend to press counter press, you know, leads Southampton, Brighton. Yeah. So they're, they're not the best team. You know, if we know he's going to have an issue adjusting provided he knows what he needs to do, he could get better and grow into it. But I also don't want to develop a guy to play differently when I already know he can be successful in one way to go and then go to PSG next summer. I mean, I just, what the heck sense does that make? So I think real depend on what happens in the window, but yeah, I mean, if we get someone who's clearly a left-sided player, then what? I don't know. I think it's very interesting. And look, I'll I'll say it. I mean, the name that's been tossed around there, Luis Diaz is, I mean, he's very similar as a player. You know, I mean, there aren't many players that play like Richarlison. He's kind of a unique player. So we'll see what's going to happen. But he's, I mean, we got to get him playing better, but he is giving a lot for the team. And the bottom line is that I don't look like many players. How many players have we taken in and put them maybe in the wrong role and they haven't succeeded or the right role and they have succeeded? A lot. There's been a lot of guys that we have probably not got the best out of and have gone on. And I think that's it fuels these narratives amongst fans where like this guy's terrible. He's horrible. Oh, and then that. they go, they leave and they're really good somewhere else. And people are like, why was he so bad for no, us? No, they've well, improved. Probably- they've improved, James. Yeah, they've gotten much better. Clearly, the coach is better. They're coaching him up. He didn't have this before. I just think you you have to take into consideration how the players are being utilized and we haven't utilized certain players all that well, including just not even getting them outright on the pitch at all. So like the, the club and the management bear some of the, I think, responsibility for getting the best out of players. It's not all on, oh, he's terrible. He's not he's not performing well. It's all his fault. You got to set guys up for success. And we haven't done that all that well for certain players in the last few years, but we've seen it, you know, with guys like Alex will this year, finally being used where he can be most effective. And the narrative has very quickly changed. Now I still think we're probably getting a little bit carried away because it's only three games into the Premier league season. And we have played, as you rightly pointed out, a lot of very similar tactic uh, style teams. Once we get into players, uh, teams that want to sit back or teams that are just frankly better at pressing or, counter pressing uh that'll prove to be a real test but i think the the sign so far from the benitez uh tenure has have been really really encouraging i think for everyone considering all the question marks that we had going in yeah and i like the the roles they're putting other people in like damari gray Derry, david gray macy gray whatever his name is dorian gray (laughs) Uh, Gray. (laughs) whatever uh anyway uh from canton ohio uh the only point i'm trying to make there is he's in a position where he's playing more of a free role he doesn't quite have the defensive responsibilities that he needs or that that he maybe is not the strongest with and he's having success uh, as a result and i think 
Alex Awobi, the same thing. I mean, do we think suddenly Alex Awobi has learned how to play football? No, he just, it's a better suit for him. DeCorey, why is he suddenly coming alive? Because he's taking the ball and moving it forward very quickly and fast. He loves that. He wants to get up the field. You saw it last year. He's, he's like, let's go, let's go. What are we doing? You know, and, and I think you're getting more of that. You see more movement and more purpose in front of him. Alon's going to be more effective. So I think um, other than Richarlison, a lot of other people are being used in better situations, but it affects everyone. Like Luca Dean is maybe not as key element of the offense right now than he has been in the past. That's okay. That's for now, you know, and, and in different setups, different tactical setups, he's going to use that in his service to his, his advantage, you know? So we'll wait and see, you know, I, I think it's, Perfect. I mean, you even saw at the end there when when Awobi went far left, him and Dean had a little bit of problem there because Alex wanted to play almost all the way on the sideline to cut in because that's where the space was. And he'd rather go into the space, receive it on his feet and then do something with it. And Dean didn't quite know what to do. Does he go overlap out of bounds? No. Does right, he go right, cut right. in the middle and take the half space? No. And it takes time for people to figure this out. But I mean, the best thing you do is try and put people in positions to succeed. Like Michael Keene is not going to play well in a higher line. But today we sat back a little. We played more compact and he was outstanding. And that's it. You know, it's about putting people in good positions to succeed. Anyway, a lot of other comments. Um, I already mentioned the away fans. They were absolutely tremendous. I thought it was very obvious. Uh, most of the man of the match shouts were Alon, I think. Yeah, we had a lot of Alon shouts uh, near universal, but there was some uh, other candidates, all guys that we've touched on so far. But we had Aaron Free at Bowsy Toffee Tit said without a single teat, doubt please it's teat. teat excuse me no i'm sure it's not <laughs> <laughs> he said without a single doubt for man of the match alon industrious throughout and the weight of both the goal leading passes utter class and defense splitting ran the show in the second half and allows dukes to drive forward so 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 good love to see it yeah and uh sean con friend of the show at king con 225 Got to go with the lawn, creating the first goal and really being responsible in both halves, defending. No question. Um, another one, Dan McArdle at Daniel McArdle. Again, really, really getting creative with this. Uh, no, Dan <laughs> short for Daniel. <laughs> How about that? Uh, no question. Lawn for man of the max match. His passing led to both goals. And oh, my gosh, with that back heel in the box. That was saucy. Brazilian sauce there coming at you defensively and positionally so sound. This is the player I was hoping for when we signed him. Also helpful to have a compatriot to calm Richie down after that penalty scrap. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he would have been able to do that right away. He has a lot of background and experience with Richarlison with the senior Brazilian team. And I thought it did matter today. Absolutely. And then we had uh, ACE, AKA LaShawn Baines at LeBon Everton. A little bit of dissent here, uh, deviating from the Alon narrative, said leaning towards gray since you, he was relentless. <laughs> leaning towards gray since he was relentless in attack. Just an absolute terror against the Brighton defense. Alon gets a shout too since he was a rock in midfield and making great passes for both goals. Under the radar shout to Holgate, who was solid in defense. So as we've said, I mean, three guys who had, had really good days. Yeah, I like it when Holgate's being a little more relaxed and can pound sun balls as they're in front of him. I mean, he has good anticipation when he's not being reckless. Uh, Arnthur has Grimson at Addis Iceland. Uh, you know, the Grim Reaper back. Always, always a fan of the show. Always participating. Tends yes. to give me a lot of grief on Twitter, but that's okay. Uh, Rafa's doing a good job, isn't he? And that will lead you a couple more comments in a second. We look so much sharper going forward. Sure, Gray's goal was good, but I think Alon and Coleman were excellent. Also, Townsend never turned off the motor. If you doubted that Rafa was a good signing, think again. And then it just kind of goes on. Uh, Tanner Robertson at 
Tana underscore Robertson, Rafa, man of the match, and another one, the article at article. Those are two Ks, folks. Professional manager, it shows. Rafael Benitez, man of the match? I mean, I think you give him a lot of credit for what he's done so far. And the in-game tactical adjustments, we've talked about it. When he switched the wingers, when he switched Townsend and Gray and moved Richarlison out left midway through the first half, made a big difference. He just seems to be very, very hyper-focused on getting the best out of what he has at his disposal. And the early signs are good. I don't want us to get carried away as a fan base because if the other shoe does, in fact, drop, it will be a uh, unfortunate crash back to reality. But look, seven points from our first three matches, Ryan. We're sitting in, I believe, fourth as it stands with some teams, obviously, uh, game in hand. But three, we were, we were questioning how things would go if Rafa had a shaky start. We haven't even had to discuss that scenario. We're taking advantage of our easier, easier comparatively to the rest of the league start to the season and using these games to develop chemistry and set us up for the long grind of the campaign. Yeah. You know, the only concern I see again, and Benitez came out and did say some stuff. I'm just reading it now about the penalty incident. And I think this is important. His quote, we have this conversation before the first one is Dominic. And the second one is Richie. I'm pleased Dominic scored. And everyone has to be happy. The first one in every game is Dom. If we have a second penalty in the game, it will be Richarlison. So that's it. I mean, it seemed clear. I don't understand what the issue is. Now, I will say this, though. I said this from the get-go. Rafael Benitez's first big, big issue will be, can he keep the talent that we have here? James does not look like he's going to stay. Well, no, no, we don't know that. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to you and talk about it Tuesday. Richarlison is the other real big one. So we'll see how it plays out. But to me, that's his first biggest test. He's definitely passing the test already, getting our team going and getting used to his tactics. Again, it's nice to have some teams that are maybe not the best in the league to deal with. Not bad teams. I mean, away match to Brighton. A lot of teams are going to struggle there. Um, but that's good to see. So we'll see how this goes. We'll be interesting to see what Richarlison has to say about it after this. Absolutely. So a lot more to come and a Drama. lot more. Yeah, the, the window is going to be wild. I mean, we've had Cristiano Ronaldo returning to Manchester United out of absolutely nowhere. We've had so strange, so many crazy rumors, and we're going to be very closely watching what Everton do with the remaining couple of days in the window. So we'll be uh, doing a pod wrap on that. I'm just saying there's like the Ronaldo watch. There's the Messi watch. There's the Mbappe watch. Are we going to have a Salman Rondon watch? Is that are we going to? Yeah, the Solomon, the Solomon. Uh, I can't think of a good joke, but yes, it seems he's actually being linked now. So <laughs> Sorry, like this our, is what happens when I go off script, right? Our press, our your prescience, Ryan, of predicting a potential Rondon reunite, being reunited with Rafa <laughs> could very well come true. But there's, I think, a, Marcel is going to be a very stressed out guy for the next few days while he uh, incessantly talking to managers agents the whole nine and getting these deals done i think everton still has some work to do going into the season and uh cutting it close to say the least but he's a cool customer and marcel i think probably has all of his ducks in a row at least we all hope he does absolutely uh and either way hey you know i'll take seven points from three you know what i mean uh including two away matches against teams that will we may be competing with um one tie and, and three points on the road against Brighton, something that we haven't done uh, in a while. It was an excellent win and a comprehensive win, in my opinion, too. And I'm looking forward to the next one. 
Me too. And I think that's a great spot to wrap the show for today. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. If you would do us a massive favor, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening, leave us a rating and or review that helps us out a ton. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find all of our links to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Check out our stuff on Toffee TV as well, Toffee TV USA. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. A lot of links coming at you. Otherwise, thank you so much to everyone for listening. Until next time, up the toffees.